Welcome to the Vital Dawn Podcast for Thursday, June 11th. S&P futures are trading down 57 points. That's about 1.8%. Europe is down about 2.5%. And Asia finished in the red across the board. So there's really not a lot of incremental news to talk about. In fact, um, I didn't see anything out since the U.S. close that really kind of changed my views on the world. Um, you know, the big, the three big reasons being cited for today's sell-off include, quote-unquote, Powell was too negative, quote-unquote, Trump's poll numbers are really bad, and then, quote-unquote, the COVID cases are really rising at a troubling rate. Um, those latter two sentences could have been uttered at any point for the last couple of weeks, at least. Um, and then as far as Powell is concerned, you know, I think that's too reductive a reading of what actually happened with the Fed yesterday. Um, you know, again, I think there were fundamental reasons for the market to rally back in March and April. Um, I think that this tape has been now for several weeks divorced from fundamentals, um, for the last several hundred S and P points. Um, you know, there's been this dangerous game of musical chairs occurring in the market, um, you know, for people to justify higher prices based on, you know, whether it's stimulus or positioning, liquidity, et cetera. Um, you know, that's all great. And the gains were very real. The price, you know, obviously the price action was price action, but um, there was just not a commensurate fundamental justification for those for those gains. And they were always then just going to be very, um, you know, precarious. And I think you're just seeing that occur right now where the market is adjusting to where fundamentals are. Um that doesn't mean the fundamentals are dramatically shifting or, or turning dramatically negative. The market just had become way too positive in terms of reopening, in terms of normalization, earnings potential, et cetera. Um, you know, so the reopening process is continuing. You are seeing cases spike higher in certain states, especially the ones that were the first to reopen. Um, I really don't think you're going to see the government start to reimpose very strict lockdowns. I think they're going to, um, you know, attempt to manage the health crisis as best they can. I think you've heard now from a bunch of federal and state officials that they have the capabilities um, much better than they did back in March to, um, again, manage the health crisis. So I think you're going to see the reopening process continue. The problem is you're not going to see individuals change their behaviors. And so that was always the big disconnect between lifting lockdown rules, which is easy to do, and then having individuals change their behaviors and adopting a more normal economic pattern. And that's going to be the real area of, of uh, concern. And that's going to kind of make it a very delayed recovery. Um, you know, it's not going to be something where you're going to see a V-shaped rebound. Um, and I know that had been the narrative as of last week and then, you know, even earlier this week. Um, you know, it's going to be, I, I think Powell was pretty accurate in, in how he described the economic backdrop as far as it being a very long and drawn out um, recovery process. Um, I talk a lot about the Fed. I put out, a, you know, a bunch of updates yesterday and I included again in the piece this morning, um, you know, as far as, you know, why the, the reaction to the Fed, you know, again, I think that this whole concept of the, the Fed can increase multiples, um, you know, essentially in a linear fashion in perpetuity, that rates go low and, and, and monetary accommodation increases, you can just place a higher multiple on stocks and compensate for, um, you know, poor fundamentals. I, I, I just completely disagree with that logic. Um, and so, you know, I don't necessarily think that the Fed keeping its foot on the pedal until 2022 plus is really necessarily very positive for markets. Um, you know, I think that there is a lot of analogies to the late 90s. The late 90s were a very, very, very particular and unique period of time, um, you know, for a variety of reasons, including on economic ones, where you did have very easy monetary policy. You also had extraordinarily strong 
um, underlying economic fundamentals. And it was that combination that led to that kind of bubble that you saw, um, you know, for the last several years of, of that decade. I think what's occurring right now is more analogous to Japan, um, where you're seeing kind of, you know, the the end game of extraordinary monetary combination being placed, being put in place for a very extended period of time. Um, you know, that the result is not is not multiples that will, um, you know, just just scream higher to the sky. Um, eventually, that relationship starts to fray. Um, and I think you're kind of seeing that take place. The the concept of yield control curves, which Powell brought up yesterday, as far as um, you know, being a potential tool to provide a combination down the road, um, you know, I think for a variety of reasons I talk about, I'm not going to get into them too much on on this podcast, but shifting from a, um, a as far as communicating yield uh, its yield policy for the longer end of the curve, shifting from asset purchases to yield a yield control. Um, would be a net negative for the market, in my view, because they'll be able to control yields um, without having to expend as much of their balance sheet. And I think stocks are very sensitive to the growth in central bank balance sheet and to asset purchases in general. And so if they shift away from pre-announcing a large purchase intention to pre-announcing a yield cap, um, I think the balance sheet will will expand at a slower rate. And so I think that would be net negative for stocks. We'll have to see how that is communicated down the road. Um, you know, the QE outlook was still left relatively vague yesterday. Powell said that they will continue buying at least at the current pace. Um, but again, it's not clear how long that's going to be in place for um, down the road. Uh, so again, I have a lot more on the Fed in the, um, in the piece. Um, you know, just as far as cyclical value goes, you know, again, we never really saw a rotation. You saw a brief period where cyclical value was outperforming growth. You never saw investors shift out of growth. This was very much kind of, um, you know, these this, these are very much rental positions by traders attempting to kind of, I think, just play a, a brief theme. There was never any conviction that you're going to see a big sustained r- rally rebound um, or months and months and months of outperformance in cyclical value. So, you know, that reversed hard yesterday, partly for the Fed, but also there was um, a negative guidance update from Wells Fargo in the morning. And so the banks actually were, were for sale um, well before the Fed hit. And you're seeing that, you know, I think banks are very much the heart of cyclical. So you're seeing, I think, investors were pretty aggressive in cycling out of banks yesterday. You're seeing that in Europe this morning. Banks are leading Europe on the downside. Um, and so I think, you know, you obviously saw that yesterday where the banks were hit extraordinarily hard. Um, you know, you had the KRE yesterday that fell almost 7%. That's the regional bank index. And then you had, obviously, the super cap tech stocks. Microsoft ended up nearly 4%. Apple ended up, um, you know, 2.5%. So, you know, I think you're probably going to see that price action play out a little bit more. I have an update on banks, um, you know, and some of the factors that could help turn around sentiment in the group. But I would imagine you're going to see another day of... of um, of cyclicals coming for sale. And then the question is, again, do investors just continue to bid Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, um, you know, continue to bid them higher? You've seen some pretty extraordinary gains in those stocks um, that strike me as being unsustainable. For the calendar today, there's really not much. You have the jobless claims out at 8.30. I doubt, um, you know, they're really going to shift the narrative all that much. They are forecast to kind of um, bleed a little bit lower from where they were last week um, to about one and a half million. They were about... Um, they're about 1.8 million last week. And then after the close, you have three earnings, Adobe, Lululemon, and PVH. Otherwise, um, it's very quiet on the calendar. 
Um, just quickly looking at tomorrow, it's again, another very quiet day other than a couple of economic numbers, none of which are super important. Just quickly looking into next week, keep in mind, Powell will be testifying twice next week. So on Tuesday and Wednesday, um, you know, so he may, that will give him an opportunity to perhaps address any, any of the, um, market anxiety or market concerns, um, that, that may come up over the next few days. Um, you have a lot of Chinese data that comes out Sunday night, Monday morning, um, a couple of central bank decisions, the BOJ and the BOE, neither of which are expected to be very important, but uh, that is for the preliminary look into next week. So that is everything for today. Um, thank you for listening.